We are back for part yes. two, which is technically episode 11 of Historica Esoterica. Uh, Correct. Once again, uh, Master Magus Matt K. Ultra, <laughs> joined by my, my studious acolyte, who has, since we last met, been promoted to the second order of Historica Esoterica. That's correct. I am now an adeptus future. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so where last we met, we were uh, we were speaking about Aleister Crowley, and we realized we had been recording for almost an hour, and we were on page three of my seven pages of notes, which is, I probably bear some responsibility for, but we decided to just split this one up in two. Um, I did the episode art for this one, which is fun. Yeah, he did a good job. Um, it's funny because like on the the one where you went buck wild and had seven pages worth of notes, it also happens to be the one where I like I'm in my jazz era of notes where I just have like <laughs> names and concepts written down. I'm like, yeah, I'll just relook it up when I, when we get to it. Yeah, which so. to be clear is probably a healthier way to approach the subject of Aleister Crowley than what I did, which is to say yeah. just dive headfirst back into this world that i've been out of for a year or two um it's a bummer but i think maybe the way we can start this off as you had mentioned earlier is we had talked about thalema which was his religion that he made uh and you thought it might be a good idea to explain what thalema is briefly and what their beliefs are so we can get more of a concept of what was he really up to in the early 1900s yeah for sure um and so you know we're not going to spend too much time on it because frankly it could be its own episode, right? I know we yeah. say this all the time, but we really were true. And we're telling the truth when we say this. It's a, uh, it's, Dilemma is, it's like an esoteric occult religion, basically. Um, it's, you know, if you follow it, you're a Thelemite. The idea is, funnily enough, I have all these notes and I didn't write anything down about Thelema, so you guys get to hear me going off the dome on this one. Um, <laughs> but the general idea of it, right, it's core principle uh, is that statement from the Book of the Law. The thing, if you know something about Crowley, it's probably do what thou wilt, right? It, he taught that your will, right, this core essence of you, your pure desire and self, the only moral imperative that a person has is to follow their will. And if you think yeah. to yourself, well, now, that seems like it could lead to people getting hurt. <laughs> Oh boy, you're right. Yep. Uh, but I think that, but you know, there is value to it, right? Like this idea of uh, a, a person's value and free will and things like that, that's good. But I do think that it's also like very close to like 
Ayn Rand and objectivism. You yeah. know, this idea that all you have to do is do what you want. You aren't beholden to other people at all. It also kind of reminds me of the like tenets of Satanism a little bit, like a little Funny less. You should say. I was uh, going to say like a little bit less of a less aggressive version of that. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and of course, you know, as we'll get into later, Anton Lavey, <gasps> big fan of Crowley. What a yeah. surprise! Shocker. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that the other loser edge lord of that century uh, was yeah. a big fan. Uh, Many. Um, yeah. Can so we talk the... about the logo? Oh yes, the logo. This uh, this hexagram. You'll see uh, it on the art for the episode you're currently watching. It's a unicursal hexagram, which means it's made with like one line. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really interesting. I was about I was going to praise them for it while you were talking. I was looking it up because I was like, it's a really cool symbol well he didn't make it some yeah. other guy some some italian occultist well hang it, on now uh <laughs> what I, I don't like the stank you put on italian there <laughs> hey i am also have italian all um, right good point good point i the stank was more for occultists so i apologize italian okay, still good <laughs> italians uh, got they caught a stray there but they, you know. yeah, right it's it's real interesting because like he took this kind of already like a cult symbol um, and, and then just like threw a lucky charm in the middle of it, or like a, it was a five leaf clover is what it looks like. I'm not mm -hmm. exactly sure. Um, and then he was like, ah, yes, now, now that is our, our logo. And I think that's really interesting, but it's also really interesting because this shape has been seen in a lot of like pop culture. Mm -hmm. Um, one that kind of made me like really interested is it's seen as in the Loki show most recently in Marvel at the end of ep episode. Which yeah, kinda, I... I did not watch the Loki show very closely, uh, which is to say at all. I was just kind of like in the same room as my family when they yeah, watched yeah. it. That's exactly how I experienced it. <laughs> but while I was doing research, I saw it mention that and I was like, oh, that's it's hmm. weird. I don't yeah. know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's very strange. just kidding. I do. I feel bad. Uh, I don't like it. But yeah, it's it's very strange. But um, I, I guess not it's not it's you know it's a six-pointed star right so mm -hmm. he's kind of relating it to you know if you think of other pointed stars which are used in esotericism yeah uh, nam namely like the pentagram uh this would be considered like similar to the pentagrammaton which is the mm -hmm. kind of like the five-pointed star so like you know it's just kind of right in line with that long tradition of you know taking simple shapes and making them mean something yeah well and also you know it's I mean, it is a it's a six pointed star, right? right? So it's uh, it's also just like every other occult thing. It is just like stealing something from Judaism and then just warping it hideously and making it your own thing, uh, you know. So like it's, it's 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 the most occult symbol you could imagine, basically. Yeah, just exactly. Say, you know, it's it looks kind of cool, mostly scary. Uh, yeah, and it carries with it all sorts of subtext. Um, Good logo design, though. I'll yeah, good that. logo design. There's a reason I put it on the, uh, yeah. the episode art and then got scared of my episode art. Went, Ooh. I know, it's a little <laughs> spooky. <laughs> it's kind of spooky, but that's okay. Yeah, I like to okay. lean into the spooky a little bit. Well, and yeah. there's enough like uh, you know righteous light radiating from the two of us that I think we'll be able yeah, to combat can... the forces of darkness. <laughs> we balance it out. <laughs> we do. Um, <laughs> but uh, so the, the other things I want to note, speaking of things on the episode art, uh, the yeah. other big dilemmic thing I want to talk about, right, is... Uh, right. We talked about like the Scarlet Woman. We talked about Will and things like that on the other episode as well. I uh, I do want to talk briefly though about the concept of like aeons or eons. Yeah, aeon yeah. sounds uh, 
so much mm -hmm. more mystical. So basically, according to uh, Thelema, and this is from the Book of the Law, right? It's all there's different aeons of mankind. So the first one was the aeon of Isis, uh, the god from Egyptian mythology, yeah. not the terrorist cell. Uh, <laughs> and uh your favorite so, terrorist yeah well hang on now <laughs> uh, but not uh so it was a maternal aeon effectively right so like matriarchal right. society worshiping of like female goddesses kind of gaia-ish yeah yeah like yeah. gaia stuff um and then from there we get the aeon of osiris right so the uh very like patriarchal sense right as we sort of move into the more like medieval age and things like that well i guess probably earlier than the medieval age but you know what i'm saying yeah. Uh, and what we're in right now, according to Crowley, is the uh, Aeon of Horus. So yeah. this is uh, obviously of Horus, right? So this, the sun is what we're in, basically. And it's, it's, it was defined by a lot of things, but one of the big things that he had was the, uh, the word abrahadabra, right? Which yeah. I, I put along the bottom there. Yeah. Which is in and of itself a very big, like it's a thalamic spell, right? Hang on here. Let me double check the exact yeah. meaning before I, before I just throw that out there. Is it any relation to abracadabra, which is what magicians yeah. say at kids' parties before they <laughs> throw a card at them? Yes. So, yeah, here's what it is. Uh, actually, I'm just going to I'm gonna read straight from the Wikipedia because, frankly, I was slacking and forgot to put actual notes. <laughs> so fine. we're just going to borrow from some other people out there. Yeah. All right, so it's Crowley replaced the C in abracadabra with an H, which the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn in their neophyte ritual linked with breath and life, as well as the god Horus. So, uh, effectively, what he was doing there is he was making it, um, I don't remember the exact translation, but I looked it up while I was doing the, the research, and like I said, I just forgot to write it down. But where abracadabra means I create as I speak in Aramaic, uh, abracadabra, roughly speaking, means I create the speech in Hebrew. Uh, and I would like to note, I don't speak Hebrew, but if I had to hazard a guess, I'm going to assume that roughly speaking is doing a lot of work in that <laughs> phrase. That's again, like I said, that's that's the occult thing, right? Like you steal something and then just go like, man, this is what it means now. I've changed yeah, it. Exactly. But in terms of like numerology, right? Like the different like the five of the microcosm, the six of the macrocosm. These are things that he writes about and all sorts of things. Five and six are blended together to make abracadabra or eleven. Uh, which is why I thought that episode 11 slash 10 yeah. uh, was a good time to <laughs> chat about Crowley, right? This yeah. is That's the Aeon that we are in now. Uh, and then the future or uh, Aeon, actually, let me double check. It was, ah, yes. Uh, so there's some Thelemites who believe that the Aeon of Mott will uh, succeed the present one. And a couple, a couple of them have already said that it did and that basically Crowley arriving is what changed that one. But the three main aeons that everybody agrees on are Isis, Osiris, and then Horus. And do what thou yeah. wilt is the law of the aeon of Horus. So, and so are, are, I'm sorry, are we in Horus now then? Uh, we definitely were when Crowley was around. Okay, uh, there's you. some Thelemites say that like we're not anymore. We've moved out of it. Um, gotcha. If you look around you, I think we're still in it. If we're just going vibes based, uh, <laughs> people are still doing what they wilt. That's uh, true. Yeah, and, especially now. Yeah, let me tell you, for some of them, that is the whole of the law, which I think yeah. is bad. Uh, but I agree. I anyway. agree. Can we talk about briefly the name Thelema? 
Yeah, for sure. I have some insights on that if if you'd like to talk about that. So like, go for it. Etymology, as obviously as a Christian, etymology is very important to me. So I was curious what thelema meant, uh, and it comes from a Greek word, which is from classical Greek, uh, thelema which is uh, one of the two words for will, as in like your will, your volition, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, fits right in line with what we were just talking about. Um, it's not super commonly used. Um, you see it in some Homer and some, you know, some other stuff, but it's not like a common word, but it is a classical Greek word. So he was smart on that one. Interestingly, it is used in the Septuagint, which is the Greek uh, rendering of the Old Testament, as well as uh, some places in the new testament in the septuagint it's used when talking about the will of god like high righteous will and then it's used a couple times uh like your will be done in heaven and on earth you know Mm -hmm. in the new testament so that's kind of an interesting place for him uh to pull it there's also a uh a monk from the benedictine time named uh francois rebellus I sorry again, France for <laughs> but eventually you, we'll do them right. Yeah, maybe he had an <laughs> Abbey of Thelame. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, it's it's a, not a real place, but it's something he was writing about in his essays, I guess, like a, a utopia idea. I have bad news for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and I don't think he had Crowley in mind when he was penning this. I think it was sort of like a satire supposed to like throw light on the time, the times he was living. Oh, in. I see. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's essentially the long and the short of it. Yeah, sweet. Well, our, our somewhat rambling uh, introduction and discussion of <laughs> Thelema aside, which to be clear, is a, a knock on me and not on Roswell. Uh, <laughs> no, I think we're both at fault here. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pick back up with Aleister Crowley. So yeah. just a little roadmap for you guys. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to finish talking about Aleister Crowley and his, his life and his dastardly deeds, <laughs> which up until this point, frankly, haven't been that dastardly he's just kind of been an abusive boyfriend yeah uh but they get disaster kind of bad. bisexual as you said yeah he's, he's he's been a disaster bisexual yeah. now he is a criminal yeah uh so things are things are taking a turn for dark for the darker territories yeah um and then after that we're going to talk about you know his problematic fans because mm. uh, oh boy are they you talk about a toxic fan base i mean yeah he nobody's got anything on crowley yeah sorry star um, wars uh so around this time oh one final note about his time in america though before i forget yeah uh he also spent some time down in mexico just sort of hanging out he was he was bouncing all around uh you know the uh the american continent uh and he you know did some more did some more sex magic rituals down there because what do you expect from a guy like this but you gotta yeah (laughs) and then he returned to london and around then his mom died as well, so yeah. he didn't get as big of an inheritance as he did when his dad died, but he got, I think it was a couple hundred thousand in today's money, so not bad either. He's he's doing all right yeah. again, which for Crowley, of course, will not last. What a right. surprise. But he developed a fairly serious heroin addiction around this time as well, as a doctor prescribed it to treat his tuberculosis and asthma, which... Just truly a, a better era for medicine, yeah. I think. So uh, funny. yeah. Like, here, have some opium. That will stop <laughs> you from coughing. Uh, but then he moved to Sicily in 1920, founding the Abbey of Thelema, uh, which was a lot of bad stuff happened here, mostly sex and heroin. Yeah. And he moved out here with 
a couple of his most devoted Thelemites, a few more would trickle in yeah, and yeah. out throughout the years. Uh, most notably, uh, Jane Wolf, a yeah, film star. I saw that. That was who weird. Was super, yeah, really interesting character. She was super influential in like spreading the OTO through like Pasadena and California, mm. uh, a place which has had a lot of just weird little occultist yeah. freaks running around it uh, ever since, basically. She, she started this apocalypse, mm. but it's, I don't know, this, this house, it didn't have running water or indoor plumbing or electricity. It was just, there was a lot going on in this little house, but none of it was good because, you know, there were no bathrooms inside yeah. it. So hygiene very quickly went out the window. There were also, uh, at one point, four kids just sort of running around in here with these thelemite it's, freaks yeah sex freaks <laughs> essentially yeah and it, it's it's sort of what you expect from your you know run-of-the-mill cool magic cult right i mean like yeah commune or whatever yeah no yeah, offense to people was, who live on communes but yeah as you say this one was not done correctly this is a bad uh, example yeah and there were there were piles of drugs just like left out everywhere um or and uh, just weird, uh, yeah. like screeching sounds coming from outside. I think it's oh, like hope. somebody's brakes, but it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You just kept going like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, what is that? Um, anyway, continue. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. So yeah, the conditions in the house were not great. There were, you know, piles of drugs just sort of left around, uh, yeah. cocaine, alcohol, heroin, so much heroin yeah. just out there. Uh, and then of course, like I said, there was no plumbing and people did not feel the need to walk outside. Yeah. In order to deal with that, they yeah. were just kind of like corners and rooms. And they're uh, all wearing robes, right? And performing yep. sex magic. And supposedly, performing sex magic. Uh, you know, Crowley is allowing the kids to witness these events, mm -hmm. you know, which is like, which is bad. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just bad. There's no way around it. Like, it's he, horrible. The writings say, and even like the people who like hated him and were there later on. So I do believe that this didn't happen. So I feel like if anybody had a reason to take Crowley down, it would be the people who left this house. Mm. Uh, but they say he never involved the kids directly, but he did allow them to watch, which is not good. Yeah. It's very bad. And he similarly, and his idea was that it would be good for them, right? Because it would rid them of the shame around such an act. But also they were like, I think the oldest was six it's, at the time. Like it's too young it's too to young. involve a kid yeah. in something like And it's like just this. not how you do it. That's, that's going to mess up. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there were, he also allowed them to like try the drugs too for the right. same idea where he's like, well, then they won't be tempted later on because they'll know what it's like. It's like. Heroin is one of the most addictive things on the planet. It's it's okay to not give it to your children. Yes, Don't worry. Absolutely. But, um, so it's very like it's almost like weird scenes inside the canyon. Yeah. Kind of thing. You know, speaking of Dave McGowan, right? right it's it feels very similar to like some of those stories about like, you know, like singers of the doors, just like bringing kids in and like giving them acid or yeah. whatever. It's like just yeah. weird stuff i really that's the moment where like i said like it goes from like because you know even what he was doing with like neuberg right it's not good right but, but it's not evil it's just like yeah toxic it's just bad it's just bad it's toxic it's bad like if he did that or like and then like the chapter turned in his life and he like found god and just like became like a cool docile man we'd be like well it was yeah. bad that he was doing that but like you know he really turned it around but now you've sort of hit this point of no return where it's like there's nothing you can say to defend that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And his, and you know, of course this whole time his heroin addiction was spiraling out of control too. So like they're really, it just, it's just darkness it at is. this period. Yeah. And he's also um, having, uh, 
cocaine addiction. I don't know if you mentioned that already. Yeah, uh, and addiction. it's like, uh, I believe I read somewhere that like it was like actually affecting, like eroding his actual nasal cavity. Yeah, he, yeah, like like an 80s movie executive. Yeah. He like had to get reconstructive surgery Which, because his like nasal cavity like collapsed. Again, I'm not uh, shaming someone for being addicted to drugs. It's just like kind of like to illustrate like the conditions that the children were yeah. being exposed to, you know? Yeah, and it's, exactly. And it's something that you see throughout Crowley's life, right? Is he never does anything halfway like yeah. you know i personally enjoy hiking i'm not going to try and climb k2 <laughs> uh but that's where crowley and i are different yeah. right like he he become he tries to become like the greatest mountaineer ever yeah he does as many drugs as possible yeah. he becomes the wickedest man in the world like there's this just tendency to just dive into yeah. extremes here's the thing is like that quality i think if it was channeled into other directions and maybe if he were less volatile personality, it could be such a good quality. And he could have accomplished yeah. so much good with like that drive and that ambition. Yeah, and it's admittedly, it's what made him such an effective magician, right. right? Because like I was saying in the last episode, for better or for worse, he was in touch with his will at all times. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said, it ruined a lot of lives, yeah. but he knew what he was doing. And as far as magic goes, right, the uh, the application of your will into reality and like changing things like it had effects yeah. whether you think he was literally casting spells or not there was something powerful about his willpower absolutely um yeah. but like i said like this this environment obviously really bad for the kids yeah. uh and his infant daughter uh died of neglect while she was in the house yeah. because you know she was everybody all of her guardians were like, junkies were high or having sex and yeah. ignoring things and just not a good environment. And Crowley, I guess to his credit, was very upset by this. Um, he retreated to Paris to mourn. Yeah. Like he just left because he didn't want to be around there. Yeah. Uh, and in his absence, things just sort of continued to fall apart. Because yeah. that's the other thing you see a lot is that his his presence and his will, you know, domineering and evil though it frequently was, really did hold everything together. And mm. when he leaves all the other people just sort of start to fall apart. Yeah. Uh, I, I just gotta he, say, uh, it's, it, and it's just a tragic note, you know, I think this is the, his daughter dying is sort of kind of like the, the apex of like how neglect and selfishness can really destroy mm -hmm. other people's lives as well. And so like, if there's mm -hmm. anything thematically that you're going to take away from studying Crowley, it's like these, you reap, you know, the classic, you reap what you sow. And if your whole life is spent, you know, just completely selfish. These are the type of things that are going to happen to you. You know, yeah. it's going to be tragic. Yeah. And, um, you know, he came back and they were there. He, uh, started, you know, like I said, that just that sense of darkness really keeps escalating. Like, yeah. uh, one of his fault, one of his other followers died in the house. Uh, there's two versions of the story. Uh, Crowley's version of the story is that the man drank mountain water and then got like a stomach bug from it. Uh, after, of course, Crowley told him not to. Right. Because, you know, how could he do something wrong? Right. And uh, the man's wife, on the other hand, uh, says that the man, uh, says that Crowley killed a cat and then forced the man to drink a cup of its blood after he messed up the ritual and failed to properly kill the cat himself. Yeah. Uh, which, I'm not going to say which one I think is more realistic, but yeah. I think we both have a general theory. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, and so another thing to say about this, the man who died, his name was Raoul Loveday, and his wife was mm -hmm. named Betty May, and she was 
kind of against Crowley from the beginning. And then obviously after this, you know, she went to the press, but she also mentioned that they were required to cut themselves with razors every time they used the pronoun I, which is mm-hmm. interesting, which once again, the and woke mob strikes again. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, and, but that's the thing, right? Is because that's the other thing you see with Crowley, like these things that do appear in other like magical, yeah. like trainings and things like that. Right. Like the idea where it's like you, you have to punish yourself if you say a certain word. Right. That's something that shows up in a lot of different like ritual contexts or like ways of training someone's willpower. But it's just, it's so extreme and yeah. so dark. Like I, you know, this word that we use all the time. Right. Uh, and of course, that's why you choose right. that one, right? It's because it is, su- yeah, it's reflexive. Uh, and then, you know, cutting yourself with a razor, like just one of, Ugh. just a, yeah, really, just an unpleasant thing. Just a, you know, it's yeah. literal self harm, right? And it's yeah. just, it's spiraling out of control. You sort of get that sense at this point of it. It's the third act of Goodfellas, right? The cocaine addiction is no longer fun. There's helicopters circling above, except these ones are being piloted by Mussolini because, functionally, the end of Crowley's magical career, yeah. at least as a serious magician, came uh, in, I think it was 1923, yes, when April, uh, Mussolini. Who was in charge of Italy? Obviously, the fascists weren't a big fan of yeah. most things going on, yeah. but the stories spreading around, in particular, once they like reached higher up members of the government, Crowley was uh, deported. Yeah, and you know, notably, no one else in the house was, so he told them to just sort of keep going and hope that he could make his way back in there. But without him there, it fell apart pretty quickly. Right. And um, yeah, so then he he just sort of spent the rest of his life bouncing around Europe. Uh, he briefly thought that Hitler might become a Thelemite. Yeah. Which is, I thought this really interesting. The quote was really interesting because like he was intrigued by Nazism. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and he's, and, but then like, you know, the Nazis abolished the German chapter of the OTO, uh, and imprisoned one of his like, uh, associates, you know, kind of one of his contacts there. Um, and then he immediately turned yeah, on Hitler. Yeah, and, and the thing I thought was interesting is he called, he lambasted him calling a black him a black magician, which I'm like, your whole thing is being like the wickedest man in the world and like doing spooky magic. And like, how is that an insult to you? Yeah, it's, I don't know. it's very strange. It's very but strange. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's the same thing as what we were talking about before with his draw to Nazism, yeah. right? Is also, you know, notably at this point, uh, at least I don't think at this point in time, people knew about like, the holocaust i don't think that was like really fully in swing i'm not sure about the timeline as to when he was praising hitler but this was sort of early on everybody sort of knew that the nazis were taking power yeah most people knew that that was a bad thing right and i think that those two things alone will draw someone like crowley to them just to see like well how did this guy get so much power so quickly what's going on here and also you know the nazis did have an obsession with the occult yeah so i was honestly i was surprised that they kicked out the oto but i guess it's more the idea of this old version of a secret society yeah. they wanted they wanted their guys want, to get in exactly, on it instead yeah um, because they had so many secret they were on societies. their grawl quest you know with uh, yeah Otto exactly <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um yeah uh but yeah so that's that's very interesting um is this about the time uh oh yeah yeah so so if we're are, are we jumping into world war ii then oh sorry i did skip accidentally just briefly oh, go ahead. like i said my notes weren't super organized uh so before the outbreak of world war ii he was in berlin as well uh and he hung out with uh people like uh intelligence asset aldous huxley yep. uh the writer 
whose book The Doors of Perception, I would like to note, inspired the title of the uh, classic rock band, The Doors. Uh, so, you know, mm. weird little synchronicity there. Yeah. He's hanging out with the most MK'd guy of all time. Yeah. This guy, uh, Huxley also introduced him to uh, a couple prominent communists in the area. And so Crowley was kicking it with the communists for a little bit. He really, he just, I think, was drawn towards anything controversial and extreme for sure. in terms of politics. Yeah. Do you think the communists liked him? I couldn't find much on it. Yeah. I can't imagine that, like, do what thou wilt really would jive well with, like, exactly. a Leninist, uh, <laughs> considering yeah. there's sort of the uh, sort of opposing ideologies. Yeah. And there's, I think there's a reason that most of his biggest fans nowadays are, like, psycho-libertarians. Right. Uh but yeah, so with the outbreak of World War II, I just have one little thing, and then I'll let you uh, yeah. hit us with whatever you got. But uh, with the outbreak of World War II, he offered his services to the British Intelligence That's Service. That's what I was going to talk about. Who, <laughs> yeah, who uh, officially turned him down. Yeah. Uh, even though around this time, he was still like hanging out with a bunch of spies, yeah. like Ian Fleming and Roald Dahl. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I, that, that was what I was going to talk about, which I thought was just so fascinating. Like um, Another one was Maxwell Knight dennis wheatley mm -hmm. so you've got you know um occult novelists you know children's novelists slash secret service people ian fremling yeah. which is another novelist see you know sir uh what do you call that uh is that m mi6 agent yeah he was an mi6 yeah. so it's like it's just kind of you know these interesting theme reoccurring themes that we get popping up where it's like ah intelligence mm -hmm. asset and writer it's like yeah hmm. Or intelligence asset and magician. Exactly. And it's like, okay. Weird. It's weird. I can't say anything more than that, but it is yeah. strange. I mean, it's, you know, like, like I've said before about like magic, right? Is whether or not you believe in it. Oh boy, so many spies and powerful people do. So I think it's something worth examining yeah. and looking at the roots of. Um, you know, maybe it is all fake, but yeah, a lot of people sure are acting it out anyway. Um, yeah, which, you know, and if they're doing it, they certainly believe it, or at least believe in the power of the symbol, you know, which, yeah, what's the difference Interesting. at some point, you know, yeah, you're still able to affect the world in a negative way to bend yeah. it to your will, to your <laughs> dilemma, yeah, so to speak, yeah, uh, so to speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, do you want to get into Jack Parsons then, since we've kind of hit World War Two? Yeah, yeah. So as his health problems worsened, his finances... He, his money was gone again. Right. Crowley never met a dollar he didn't want to spend. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so by this point, he's living uh, mostly off of donations from old OTO members. And most prominent among them was our friend Jack Parsons. Yeah. Roswell, what would you like to tell us about, so, about our boy Jack? So if you've heard about Jack Parsons already, um, and you're not our brand of schizoid um <laughs> you probably know him like oh yeah he was the one of the founders of the jet propulsion Rab laboratory you know which revolutionized revolutionized you know rocket technology in the early 30s crazy effect i think it eventually got absorbed into like nasa or something mm -hmm. um just you know, eye emoji eye emoji uh, <laughs> uh yeah he invented the first rocket engine to use um com castable composite rocket propellant um, and pioneered the advancement of liquid fuel and solid fuel rockets. Um, so he was very clever fella, uh, very influential. Uh, died mysteriously in a lab explosion, but we'll get to that. Um, but he was also a thelemite, 
occultist and and of course friend of l ron hubbard as we exactly. uh, mentioned on our knowing episode he had an affair with yeah. a woman who actually left him for l ron hubbard so so it's like all these different little connections you know yeah all of these like spooked up people every single one of the people we just mentioned has like so many intelligence connections exactly and they're all floating around in this same little miasma yes this this goo yeah. generated by crowley as he just sort of like slithers around uh, so like a <laughs> like a what i don't know i, was, I lost my trail <laughs> like of thought I was like, cause I was, well because i was like yeah he slithers around but he's generating goo is he like <laughs> an eel or a a slug a long slug anyway yeah he's a sorry, long I, slug i didn't mean to get bogged down in this metaphor <laughs> I, uh... um something i wanted to illustrate which i thought was interesting not illustrate something i wanted to mention that i thought was interesting was um that right before uh converting to thelema uh, Parsons was briefly involved with Marxism. I don't know if you knew that, mm -hmm. which I'm like, that's another yeah. interesting thing. Um, I don't know anything else about that. I just know that he was interested in it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done much looking into it. Honestly, I haven't done much looking into Jack Parsons at all. It's just that he just keeps coming up in yes. other things I'm looking into. Uh, exactly. One day we'll have to just really sit down and dedicate ourselves to him because every single thing I have learned about him is just insane yeah um but yeah like like we said you know he died in a mysterious lab explosion uh which a little weird uh much to consider there yeah um yeah it's just it's just it's one of those things where again like we'll have to do some more research to find out more about it but on the surface it's already just the whole the whole thing smells from top to bottom yeah it's very strange it's very strange um but yeah then he um so Crowley also at this point, very interestingly, at one point he uh, he sued one of the people from the house because she wrote a book about her time in the uh, Abbey of Thelema, uh, and he was so low for so low on cash that he sued her and pretty much in court walked back everything he had ever said about magic. He stopped like reveling in this title of the wickedest man in the world and was like, oh, I would never be a black magician. I would never do something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just because he needed money. It's so it's kind of sad to see that, right? This yeah. He gets he's very broken at this point in his life um he lived in a rented house in hastings uh where as a side note he trained kenneth grant in magic uh and also met with uh gerald gardner who yeah. founded wicca so again like i said even even literally on his deathbed he's having yeah. all of this influence it's very interesting um it's i don't know it's just it's just strange how many people are interested in him mm -hmm. that also happened to be quite influential uh i know we've just been beating that horse all day but it's it's just weird it's an important horse it's an important <laughs> horse to beat to death um yeah and then do you have anything more to say about him because i've just got two more things about his death and then i think we can uh yeah i've got something about his legacy on. after his death so why don't you go ahead first for sure so um like i said it was in a rented house in hastings where he died there's three conflicting accounts which i think is only fitting yeah. for Aleister Crowley is that nobody can even agree on what his last words were. So there's two different things for that. So some people say that he said, I'm perplexed and then died, which is the one I believe the least because I think it's just too perfect. Like this magician spending his entire life searching for this meaning yeah. and on his deathbed, he goes like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just, it's, it works too well. There's no way that's what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, others argue, and this is the one I'm inclined towards. Uh, some someone else said that he simply said, 
sometimes I hate myself, <laughs> uh, which literally me. I, I like that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty powerful. And um, then I think it was his wife. It was someone close to him uh, offered a very different account of his final days, which is to say that he remained in good spirits up until his passing. Uh, and right as he died, uh, wind blew through the room and thunder crashed in the distance mm. as the gods bowed him farewell. Which, yeah, that happened. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. I, I believe you. Uh, and around the same time, one of the things he left behind was a drawing of one of the secret chiefs, uh, one of the spirits with, the, with with which he was communing, uh, Lamb, yes. the spirit, right? Uh, which looks exactly yep. like a gray yep, alien. Yep, yep. I, so, you want to talk about Jack Parsons and UFOs, uh, yep. or Crowley and Lamb? I don't know what this means, but it, it means do. something. I can tell. Yeah, go for it. Tell us what it means, Roswell. I think we've officially, not officially, but I think we found more evidence <laughs> from my personal theory that aliens aren't real, and it all falls under the umbrella of the gin deception. That's Look, right, baby. I'm, yeah, man, you know I'm with you. I know uh, you are. <laughs> it's either that or it's like one of those things. He's also like associated with all these, you know, intelligence assets. So if they're faking yeah, so, aliens you say, for, you know, whatever reason they would do that, you know. Either or. Um, you know, and one of these days we're going to have to get in touch with the guys from Subliminal Jihad <laughs> and just apologize for stealing the word gin from them. Oh, but I absolutely have appropriated it, but it's it's so good. <laughs> Um, I thought for a moment you said when we were going to get in touch, I was like, I hope he's not <laughs> saying we're going to get in touch with Lamb because we are not. <laughs> oh, no, we are not getting in touch. Okay, with cool. As we've said before, do not commune with the evil one. We're not. adding Lamb to that list. Don't list. talk to aliens. And Just, uh, what was it? Oh, oh, oh Brental Floss? Oh, AWOS. AWOS, thank you. <laughs> you say Dental Floss? Brental Floss. You remember the guy from me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, did you have anything more to say about yeah. his, uh, the people he influenced? Because I've just got a list that we can go down after that. So yeah, so um, there's just a, a brief thing talking about his death, um, about his, the kind of his life after death, if you will, which is the legacy he sort of left behind. Because like, yeah, he was notable while he was alive, mm -hmm. um, but I think he became even more of a rock star posthumously, uh, and so this kind of. Uh, what, whatever whatever you might think this kind of i think embodies that so this is the uh yeah for sure um a quote from one of his biographies i don't have the name of it on hand apologies but it says um uh the odd sea change crowley underwent transforming him from a scurrilous knave into a spiritual liberator began oddly enough in france in 1960 a book appeared that almost single-handedly triggered what's been called the occult revival of the 1960s the history of which I chart in Turn Off Your Mind. There had been a slow buildup of interest in the occult through the late 1940s and 50s with the rise of public interest in flying saucers and other weird concerns. Hmm. Emmanuel Velikovsky's uh, Worlds in Collision, 1950, uh, linked biblical accounts of the flood to the Earth's close shave with a comet, and T. Lobsang Rampa's doubtful account of his life as a Tibetan yogi, The Third Eye, 1956, had both been big sellers. But it was the appearance of Les Matins des Magiciens, 1960, by Louis Pauwels and Jacques Berger uh, that really triggered the return to ma of magic. The book is a heady, often mind-numbing jumble of strange, new, and unusual ideas <laughs> that took the Paris of Jean-Paul Sartre and existentialism by storm. It rambled... Interesting. Yeah. I just want to highlight that real yep. quick. I knew you'd you like know, that. French freaks and yeah. philosophers, <laughs> I knew they would be involved somehow. Yeah. Um, it rambled Sorry, from no, you're good. It rambled from alchemy to UFO to Gurdjieff, 
to ancient civilizations, to mutants, to occult Nazis, to higher consciousness, and then some, rather like Charles Fort's books of the 1920s and 30s, although much better written. It became a huge bestseller, and when it was translated into English in 1963 as The Morning of the Magicians, it was a bestseller too. Um, and amid its mysterious thicket of all things occultly marvelous in the history of Theodore Rozak's words was Crowley and the Golden Dawn. So just yeah there. And if you, I mean, honestly, if you look back at like any media from like the mm -hmm. late sixties, early seventies, you just see like, that's when occult themes start popping Sergeant off. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band, mm. for instance, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, even just like the movies, if you start to look at things like Rosemary's mm -hmm. baby and all those different things that start popping up. And I, we actually yeah. kind of briefly discussed this on our, winchester history house episode where we mm -hmm. talked about like in the early 70s when like the the ghost uh kind of phenomenon started picking up too and of course that's yeah. like right in line with like ufos and occultism which had already been gaming steam yeah so. all this darkness and exactly. insanity sort of like spiraled out as the aeon of horus continues forward exactly, yeah, exactly. uh but yeah so do we want to talk about some of these uh some of some examples of things like this yes absolutely uh, let's do it all right so we mentioned already the uh, Rolling Stones and the Hell's Angel who committed the murder 60 years to the day after Crowley's fight with, um, I don't remember the demon's name, probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Kenneth Anger, who was training them in, uh, you know, the ways of the occult at the time, uh, also made a movie called Lucifer Rising. Right. Uh, an explicitly satanic, in case you couldn't guess from the title, <laughs> and thalamic movie. Yeah. Uh, and it also featured a soundtrack by uh bobby boussolier or however you pronounce it Boussol yeah i think it's the a yeah uh who was arrested for carrying uh killing gary Heinemann uh in the manson murders right so oh, wow yeah so anger this crazy this crazy influential thelemite is involved with the two things that like most people say ended, ended the, the 60s, 60s yeah. right right uh and then interesting thing about bobby uh he later said that it, Manson had nothing to do with it, and it was a drug-related killing in which some bikers killed Gary over a bad batch of mescaline. Right. Which is just an interesting little yeah. note, although Susan Atkins just said, no, we killed him on Manson's orders, which does put a... takes a little bit of the shine off of Bobby's story yeah. there. So just interesting, though, that regardless, interesting. that yeah. Kenneth Anger's like just working with all of these, these people who just happen to end up right. in, involved with really powerful murders. Right. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Led Zeppelin frontman and pedophile uh, Jimmy Page. <sighs> That's uh, so sad. I know. My favorite guitarist <laughs> is a 13-year-old. And then you find out he's <laughs> a pedophile and you're like, God. Yeah. Uh, so Led Zeppelin frontman and pedophile Jimmy Page yeah. uh, posted up in a Bullskin, that place right yeah. by Loch Ness where he was doing things. Uh, I want to say they filmed a movie there. And, of course, also Do What Thou Wilt. Uh, was inscribed on the vinyl copies of Led Zeppelin 3. Uh, There's ominous. So, so much occult stuff on Led Zeppelin 3, uh, even yeah. the cover. Um, another thing, oh, yeah. Another thing is, um, was is the movie they were working on, was that the one Jimmy Page did the soundtrack to that was kind of like an occultish movie? I, I don't remember. on the name. Uh, oh, I think he was originally set to do the soundtrack for Lucifer Rising. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. He was going to... Yeah, that's what I was forgetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Paige was going to do the soundtrack, and then I think it was that his wife didn't like Kenneth Anger or something. Uh, I don't remember the cause of the falling out yeah. there, but they had a falling out for something. 
And, uh, yeah, let's see. Creating a soundtrack. Yeah. Back in London, Anger met Jimmy Page with a rock band Led Zeppelin. Uh, he was working on it while he was in Bullskin House, which had once belonged to Crowley. Short after, Anger convinced Page to compose the soundtrack to Lucifer Rising. Uh, Anger publicly revealed that Page was to provide the soundtrack in February of 1972, but then in 1973, okay. However, in October of 1976, Anger got into an argument with Page's wife, Charlotte, who threw him out of their London home. He was able to collect his belongings later that week, subsequently giving a press conference in which he lambasted both Page and his wife, stating that, quote, I'm beginning to think Jimmy's dried up as a musician. He's got no themes, no inspiration, no melodies to offer. That's so funny. Which fat talk coming from the director of Lucifer oh, Rising. Shit. like, And also, like, time-wise, like, they had several more great albums in them. Yeah. I hate to say <laughs> just, it. What a yeah. dope. Yeah. Just truly a fool, that Kenneth Anger. Uh, and then, you know, as, as we alluded to, about you mean openly stated in our opening quote uh the beatles of course were uh floating around sergeant pepper there i mean floating around yeah. alistair crowley with sergeant pepper right yeah the, uh, i was looking it up just trying to find like if they ever said anything about why he was hanging out on their album cover uh there's some people who theorize he is the sergeant pepper which interesting i wasn't super sold on because the big reason i heard was like well, it starts with them saying that like 20 years ago, the sergeant taught us how to be or whatever, like the opening lines to Sergeant Pepper are. And Crowley had died 20 years ago yeah. when they released the album. And I was like, ah, that's a bit of a stretch. And then I found that quote where John Lennon straight up says, do what thou wilt is the yeah. ethos of the Beatles. Uh, and like, hmm. well, it feels like less of a stretch. I don't know if I'm going to say I believe it. Yeah, but I certainly understand why people might. Absolutely. I just found something interesting that also relates, by the way. Yeah, um, sure. Marjorie Cameron, who we've talked about earlier, I've forgotten mm -hmm. about her, was the wife of Jack Parsons. I forgot mm -hmm. to mention and his that. his Scarlet Woman. And his uh, Scarlet Woman. And she also played the Scarlet Woman in a 1954 movie called The Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome by who? Our boy. That's right. That's right. Kenneth, Kenneth Anger. Anger. Returning just... villain. Yeah. Uh, and he really is one of the returning villains. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I, it's not going to be the last time we see him. But, yeah, so just, again, another one of these, you know, incestuous connections with, between all these people. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's see. We also have, of course, Anton LaVey uh, of, of the Church of Satan and Michael Aquino of the Temple of Set. I mean, I don't think we even need to say anything more no. here. My notes literally just say, we know about this already, just riff. Like, yeah. we know that they were big Crowley fanboys. We know that, like... LeVay is an insane Satanist, uh, libertarian freak. We know that Aquino allegedly uh, was involved with abusing children yeah, exactly. and did and all sorts of nasty stuff. was in crazy, like, psyop yeah, warfare. Yeah, doing the psyops. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, let's see. What are the other things I've got? I had one or two other things. Oh, yes. Um, so McGowan in Program to Kill also brought up something. Another one of the ones that I had missed which is, say, Alfred Kinsey. Do you know this guy? Oh, from the... Kin Alfred Kinsey, he's a researcher, right? Like a... Yeah, so Kinsey the so-called... Yeah, Kinsey yeah, scale. Yeah, which very is, same. Uh, like, supposedly, yeah. I guess now debunked, like, way mm -hmm. to measure homosexuality or something like that. Yeah, Okay. so he was the so-called father of the sexual revolution, uh, right. who famously used interviews with pedophiles and entries from their That's journals right. to come to the conclusion that, quote... Children are sexual beings from birth, Ugh. which not Disgusting. good. That's 
Yeah, really bad. Uh, and, of course, he was a follower of Crowley's. Of course he and was. And he, with his friend, Kenneth Anger, visited the Thelema Abbey shortly before his death. So it wasn't in use at the time. Uh, this was later on. Yeah. But, you know, they just made a little pilgrimage out to the site where a child died uh, from exposure and neglect while yep. heroin addicts were having sex in front of it. And I'm really glad that that's the guy who influenced the way that we viewed child sexuality for so long. Uh, and then final note, this is the one I have the least about because all of the sites I tried to go to to research it were in Russian. <laughs> but Andrei Chernov was a Russian computer programmer uh, and according to his Wikipedia, a countercultural figure uh, in Russia in like the 1990s who helped lay the groundwork for what later became the Russian internet. Interesting. Uh, which once again, as the Wikipedia, so... Uh, so dotingly notes it helped prevent the disinformation campaigns that were being used during the uh, the attempted coup that would have you know overthrown Yeltsin and Gorbachev and rightfully uh, restored the <laughs> Soviet Union to some of it, but no I mean there were no heroes by that point sure, but sure. it was just very funny that even in the Wikipedia article you see like consent being manufactured there so like even back then the Russians were doing misinformation on the internet. Yeah. Like, all okay. right. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I tried to look more into this guy, but all of the websites on him were in Russian. And also someone with his name, Andrei Chernov, apparently got arrested in Moscow in like a high profile sting a couple years back. So all of the headlines I could find in English were about that Andrei Chernov. Whoa. Uh, and if I had had more time, I probably could have dug something up. But yeah. it was just... I decided it wasn't worth it. I just wanted to note that, you know, Crowley's fanboys also helped create the internet in certain countries, which I don't like. I don't like that. In Yeah, and I, there, I remember something um, something interesting. I don't, it might have been a subliminal jihad episode, not to quote them yet again. But they were talking about some of, like, kind of the esotericism, like, ingrained in, like, the early internet programming and, like, oh, yeah. kind of the weird stuff you see there. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, is the internet demonic as we've talked about before and you know the for answer is yes uh <laughs> i was gonna say for all of our reasonable listeners out there no of course not and then like we would nod vigorously at each other's yeah. <laughs> um, yeah we're winking right now yeah. you can't tell but no there's no demons on the internet <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this though while i was like looking up this andre chernov guy he hosted a website called venus.net which contained oh, yeah. a collection of various rare pieces of media, including anime. <laughs> I just love yeah. those. Of course. Yeah, anime and then like weird like French artistic movements yeah. as well. Like the you know, like the people who like inspired like Mook and all those yeah. guys. Like he was just very, he seems like a really interesting guy. Unironically, I would have loved to talk to him. Yeah, for sure. Because what an insane combination of things that I know about him from just skimming one or two articles online yeah um, that's insane but all that is to say uh roswell i'm just gonna ask you alistair crowley your final thoughts your conclusions <sighs> um i kind of mentioned it before but just briefly again like it's sort of a i think his life is a cautionary tale in you know selfishness right um if you live only for yourself it's there's an emptiness to it and but more importantly there's a destructiveness to it to the people who end up loving you because people will end up loving you that's just life right um so i think it's just we see that with his family we see that with the many women and men who are romantic interests of him that 
are burned by him his followers mm-hmm. people who trust him put faith in him kind of see him as like a paternal figure um it's just it's just really a really kind of sad tale at the end of the day yeah. and that so that's kind of i think i'll leave our our listeners with a call to action which is be good you know care about people like it's it's okay to be selfless sometimes you know mm-hmm. if you do want to make me happy do something for someone else this week for no reason just do it it's fine and then follow us on social media and follow uh, us on, <laughs> yeah and by do something for someone else i mean mail me one thousand dollars <laughs> yeah but before we go into plugs i on a similar note i just want to say you know like i said i've alluded to this before maybe on like a more relaxed episode we've talked about doing something like that in yeah. the future i uh, i might talk about like you know my experience with like ritual magic and chaos magic because I, I, I did get into it for a little bit and i mean you know i wasn't even doing much right i wasn't i wasn't like doing yeah. sex magic in front of children or anything <laughs> insane like that right i'm gonna clip that for this week <laughs> <laughs> hang on now uh but you know like i wasn't doing anything crazy but even then like yeah it did have a palpable impact on my life like i could feel differences and yeah. whether it's because you're actually like getting in contact with otherworldly forces or just because you're shaping your perception in yeah. a way that something's happening just like our grimoire episode right yeah. whether you're contacting demons or not sometimes you're just gonna go insane because you're reading all these weird magic books and you just sort of lose touch with reality Absolutely. so yeah uh, like like i was saying before with with magic just you know if it's the some if it's something you're gonna do be very careful and, yeah you know, don't involve other people unless they know what they're getting into yeah which they won't they generally won't yeah it just be careful and i don't know use your common sense don't don't be weird that is a new hysteric uh, esoterica quote uh yeah don't be weird. this is our guiding principle <laughs> that is the whole of the law now uh, <laughs> don't be weird don't be weird be chill <laughs> yeah those are our two tenets of h-e yeah. lore um yeah uh is there um, anything else you wanted to mention before we bring it in yeah my final thing just a message to alistair crowley take a hike (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um yeah so with that being said thank you for listening to another wonderful informative episode of historica esoterica i have been roswell you have been mad we don't do this i don't know why i've done this (laughs) no we don't oh wait did we do plugs let's do plugs. Uh, oh yeah sorry facebook we've got one we do have a Facebook now. It's it's a Facebook page. I still don't entirely know how those Get work. your drunk aunt on there. She needs yeah. to know about Alice. Search Historic Esoterica. We're on Facebook. Like I said, you know, just share. Maybe yeah. I think there's like an invite your Facebook friends button. Ooh, just yeah. Shake things up. Send it to your high school girlfriend. I was girlfriend. about to say that. Send it to uh, everyone you knew in high school that you have not talked to in 10 years. Yeah. Um, this will be a good way to let them know how you're doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a cry for help or a call to action. You decide. Um, and of course, we're still on Instagram uh, at Historic Esoterica, yep. still on Twitter at Hist Esoteric. You follow us on whatever you're listening to us on right now. Yeah. And I will note, you know, like I said, I know we've now talked about him for two hours, but there's still plenty of stuff to talk about with Aleister Crowley. Definitely. So I fear we, this may not be the end of it. We're probably, because we skimmed over a lot of the magic stuff. Yeah. We just sort of mentioned that it happened. We may, when we feel like looking when we feel like reading gross things we yeah. might uh revisit this and you know maybe yeah delve a little more in after putting on gloves yeah uh <laughs> so you know too. just follow us and let us know if there's something you want us to talk about yeah uh, please um we, we uh, also i guess 
we're even thinking about doing like a more chill, maybe Q&A type episode. So if you've got any questions about for us that you'd like us to answer or about us, you can send them to us over social media or whatever. Um, and maybe we'll answer those at some point in the near future. Yeah. yeah. You know, if we do something, if we start doing something yeah. big, something research heavy, we might yeah. just do a hangout episode. Yeah. Just or take it a little easy. That might also not happen. So, yeah. But send the questions anyway. Who, send the questions. Who, who, what do you got to lose? Yeah. I will answer you if you DM me on Instagram. Yeah. I've got nothing better today. So feel free to yeah, hit me up. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think with all that, uh, have a nice week, dear listeners. Uh, and until next time. I believe in miracles. <laughs> I believe in miracles. Way from you sex of things. I had, I fell into the trap of this, the black magic, cabalism, the whole idea of the, uh, just the Crowleyism of, uh, you know, the times. It was a significant part of that middle point of the 70s, and uh, I really got completely disoriented by all that. It was an awful, dreadful period. Where did you come from, baby? The whole B.O.I. deal was to do what you want, right? To take your own responsibility, do what you want, and try not to harm other people, right? Do what thou wilt, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody. John Lennon, in an interview with Playboy magazine. <laughs> no, we should do that with the American accent. Yeah, yeah, I had to read it out. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to laugh. It's, your Beatle accent got worse with every word. Yeah, and it looks like I was trying not to laugh. <laughs> Alright. <clears throat> we'll release this part as like the the extended cut. Yeah, yeah. You sex a